I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome everybody to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And it is sponsored by Vortex Optics. So we encourage everybody to tune in to capegunworks.com. Just click on Rapid Fire to join the conversation. And we will get to your questions as we record this show live. So we are really happy you're here and that you participate in the show. And if you don't get to hear it live or on the air when we air it on the radio, you can always go to capegunworks.com and download the podcast, listen to it that way, or go wherever you find your podcasts and type in rapid fire, all one word, and you should be able to find it on all the usual podcast suspects. Um, also, you can like us on all the social media platforms when they're up and running and not down for whatever reason they're down. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Parlor, Twitch, Daily Motion, etc., etc. At Cape Gunworks. So you can find us at Cape Gunworks. So um, we'd love to have you join the discussion and like, comment, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. And we're glad you're participating and and an active member of the 2A community because through strength, there's strength in numbers. And whenever we can put forth a good face of responsible gun ownership in our community, the Second Amendment gets stronger. And we also tend to evangelize a little bit and get new people shooting. So that's always exciting as well. Take someone who's never fired a gun to the range and introduce them to the wonderful sport of shooting as well as lifestyle and uh, if they end up using a gun for self-defense purposes it certainly is a uh, tool that can be used to their advantage to keep them safer from you know any potential threat that may be out there so that's what this show is all about and we're really happy that we are I believe unless someone points to one otherwise uh, the only talk radio show in New England that is dedicated to the Second Amendment and to guns on the radio. There's certainly other ones out there on podcasts and YouTube channels, et cetera, et cetera, but on the radio. So we're, you know, happy to be there. And we're still doing a show uh, segment on the Grace Curley show every Tuesday called 2A Tuesday. And the Northeast Shooters Forum out there has started tracking that and reposting a lot of what the questions are that come up as well as links to where you can download the segment that was recorded. So we've been doing that every week now for probably seven or eight weeks and it's been a lot of fun and I believe it's getting the word out there that you know gun owners are just everyday good American people that are probably a lot less likely to commit crime and 
wreak havoc in your communities than non-gun owners. And most people don't realize that. But the the bottom line is that gun owners are inherently uh, law-abiding citizens because, uh, you know, and I there's a little bit of an asterisk on that because some, some of them fall into non-law-abiding citizens as soon as the government changes laws so radically that um, if they aren't don't have their finger on the pulse of all the law changes, et cetera, et cetera, they could be in some sort of non-compliance. But yeah, that happens. Most recently it happened with uh, the whole bump stock ban. I know there was people that bought bump stocks, paid good money for them, and then through ATF regulation, they changed the status of them. And, you know, may, maybe they heard about it, maybe they didn't. But the bottom line is that the government wasn't coming around reimbursing you for your lawfully purchased uh, accessory. It was telling you you had to surrender or destroy it. So, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's like unbelievable that this is happening oh in, in our day and age in America. But so those are all the things we talk about on Rapid Fire. And we're glad you're a part of the discussion. So if you want to be a part of the discussion, go over to capegunworks.com, click on Rapid Fire, and you can type in your question. So uh, I want to strike a little bit while the iron's hot about um, Smith & Wesson. Uh, we, we saw last week that they have made the decision to up and leave the state. And we talked about it a little bit last week as well. And I, you know, as disappointed as I am, I'm, I'm on the retail advisory board for, or the retail advisory council, I should say, for Smith & Wesson. Um, I do advise them. I'm the only member of the Northeast region. And I'm very sad to see them go. But I'm also a businessman. And when your congressman that represents your district proposes a law to take away 50% of your business, where does that leave you? You can't risk that that is not going to go through because it's 50% of your business. And while the coffers are probably fat as they've ever been, this is the time to make the move because they have the resources in the bank to do it. So how can you fault them for that? And when you're operating in hostile territory, it wears on you. But I think they have been in continuous business since 1852, I think is the date. I don't know, maybe Professor Clock can Google that for me, but I believe it was 1852. So we got uh, politicians who don't care about your civil rights as an American or a resident of the United States of America and want to chase out. Uh, 1856 is when uh, they were founded and went into business. But uh, so, you know, they don't care about business. They don't care about the 2,500 jobs. They don't care about the money and revenue that it brings into their district. They don't care about uh, all the local establishment that that Smith & Wesson has benefited the businesses around the area, the sandwich shop, the, the you know, uh, restaurants, the uh, little convenience stores in the area that the employees shop at, that the um, people traveling there for business shop at, the hotels that, you know, take advantage of their um, them being there. 
Uh, and it's sad to say, but America, uh, Massachusetts used to be the place for, um, you know, firearms manufacturing in the country. And it was, it was really sad to hear that they are going to be moving down to Tennessee. Good on Tennessee for rolling out the red carpet and, uh, probably given them a very lucrative deal that would have been, you know, wonderful. Uh, I'm sure it's a huge tax benefit to them as well. But, you know, they are going to leave a small uh, contingency behind to make revolvers. So there'll be, uh, I think, 700 employees staying behind. And the foundry that they have is pretty amazing. They cast their own metal. They, they, you know, have incredible forges right there on site. And it's pretty cool to see. I got to go to the facility back in June and it was awesome. So yeah, I can, you know, as sad as it makes me feel, I can empathize with what they're doing. And frankly, they can get away with making revolvers in this state for a little while because the state hasn't proffered some bill that is going to ban private revolver ownership yet and I say yet because I'm not very hopeful that some lunatic won't try to do that so anyway if you don't have your gun license yet we have regularly scheduled classes uh, including ladies only couples classes and the basic LTC class at capegunworks.com so check it out we will be right back you're listening to rapid fire I'm Toby Leary If you crave versatility in a tactical reticle, the new ARBDC3 delivers with a host of features you need to adapt in the field. A 1 MOA center dot provides a precise point of aim, while the surrounding 16 MOA open circle helps get your eye into the center faster for rapid target acquisition in close quarters. The ARBDC3 also adapts to a variety of light conditions. The center dot and surrounding open circle illuminate for low light shooting, and because the reticle is glass etched, it can also function without any illumination. When you need to go long, the upper ranging feature allows you to range silhouette targets up to 600 yards, while the bullet drop compensator, or BDC, keeps you on target up to 650 yards. Plus, you get wind holds for 5, 10, and 15 mile per hour winds. The ARBDC3 is specifically tuned to the ballistic performance of most common 5.56 loads out of an AR-15. There are resources in the reticle manual for conversions to 308, and as with any BDC, information gathered from a chronograph and ballistics calculator can adapt these hash marks to any other caliber and its own unique ballistic curve. From point blank to way down range, adapt with the ARBDC3. Back to Rapid Fire, your only weekly show on the radio that talks all things guns, Second Amendment, freedom, and self-defense, and we would love to have you be a part of the show. So go to capegunworks.com, click on Rapid Fire. All right, so before the break, we were talking about the time of that is coming to a close of Smith & Wesson, um, and, you know, hopefully they'll reconsider that's my only plea but honestly it sounds like it's a done deal but you know I wish them well in Tennessee and at least I'll 
have a, a excuse to go to Tennessee. I've never been, and I've always wanted to, and so we'll have to do the tour down there once they get the new facility up and running, which I'm sure will be epic, state-of-the-art manufacturing facility. I just think about the the cost involved has to be staggering because when I was there in June, it was just row after row after row of CNC mill and, you know, manufacturing and machining centers. And it was like, I mean, I was just doing the math quick in my head. And this one row was millions of dollars of machining and tooling and everything, not to mention rigging and powering and, uh, you know, getting the material there and everything else to run them. It was just, it was unbelievable. It is truly an American icon. And so that I think is, is a sad day in Massachusetts that where freedom was founded, we're going to have to shut the door on that chapter of our history. And hopefully we'll see some, uh, see some, you know, freedom rally here in our, in the Bay State. But don't hold your breath, but we all live in hope. So anyway, let's get to some of your questions here. Uh, Nomad was asking about the M&M M10X rifles. Are they still having issues? I saw two in the store, but you're concerned that they're not reliable. And that is a valid concern because we have felt that way as well. In fact, when I brought this last batch in, Everybody in the shop kind of looked at me like, are you nuts? And rolled their eyes and they were like, are you nuts? I said, look, I spoke to the guy who designed the rifle in person and the sales guy for the whole Northeast. They're making good on all the ones that went bad. They've replaced all the bolts. And they told me that during COVID, they uh, had a special batch or a bunch of these bolts went to a... uh, new vendor that wasn't fully vested in the nickel boron application process. So they left them in the special bath or whatever too long and it weakened the metal and they've fully identified how it happened and why it happened. And they've changed vendors or changed manufacturing processes. So it won't happen again is what they've told me. And they sent me bolt carriers to replace the ones on the, on the ones that, did go bad and the newer ones I got actually come with a free red dot optic so they, they're throwing us a bone and, and hopefully throwing the consumer a bone to give them a second try so that's what we're going to do and uh, I love the gun I want to believe in it I want to run it I want to sell it I think it's a beautiful beautifully designed gun and I think it has a lot of uh, potential and if they worked out the bugs it's going to be awesome because frankly it's a good gun for massachusetts because it's a hybrid it takes ak mags but it's not an ak and it's it's got m-lock rail full-length picatinny on top easy to put a scope on it easy to put a red dot sight it's got nice furniture the magpul zukov stock and uh yeah so i'm i'm a huge fanboy of it but I want to see it smooth out the kinks. So you can also get the charging handle on the left side or the right side. It's a piston-driven gun. And shoot 7.62 by 39. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, it's a good AK alternative. So um, that's that. 
And uh, Tom's wondering if he can get an LEM trigger installed on a 45 compact, the HK45 compact. And they used to do that. Uh, so um, uh, I am going to reach out to my HK rep while we're on the air here and see if he gets back to me. But I don't know if they're still doing it after the fact. Um, so they they used to. And you could get an LEM trigger put on the gun. So uh, hopefully we'll we'll see. You never know. Um, but I'll I'll get back to you on that. As Jen Saki loves to say, I will circle back with you on that one. Um, <laughs> let's see. And uh, Ryan says, "Hey Toby, are any of the AR style 12 gauge semi-automatic shotguns like the JTS M12 ARs available in mass?" And unfortunately, not because if you read the assault weapons ban as it relates to shotguns, if it has a detachable magazine and a pistol grip, it's a no-go. It allows one less evil feature than the rifles. So rifles, you're allowed two uh, evil features. You can have, And believe me, I use these terms very loosely. Like this is the co-opted term that I use to... A, educate people on how ridiculous it is, and B, how apparent it is that the legislators that make these laws have zero idea how a gun actually works. So um, I believe it was Dianne Feinstein that coined these military weapons or these military features as evil features. So obviously our military is very evil because their guns have pistol grips and they have bayonet lugs and they have detachable magazines. I mean, who'd have thought it that they would be carrying around these evil instruments, weapons of war. <laughs> and uh, in the hands of civilians, that's crazy talk. It's even more insane, which um, they're not in the hands of civilians. The M4 rifle is, is definitely a military rifle. It's a 14 and a half inch barrel, which you would need a tenant to pay a $200 tax stamp on for that. Or if it's the select fire version, it's not even available to the general public because they didn't make the M4s prior to the uh, ban on new manufacture of machine guns or true assault weapons in 1989. So, uh, yeah, that's when assault weapons or automatic weapons were banned from manufacture to for sale to the civilian population. It was in 1989. So basically the only way you can get a fully automatic weapon these days is if you buy it on a pre-ban. It was pre-registered, pre-86, excuse me, not 89. So it's a pre-May 86 registered transferable weapon. And that's, that's, like a student loan type of game. Like you got to shell out some serious money, like probably minimum to get in the, that game is probably seven or $8,000 at this point. And if you wanted like a M16, which is the precursor to the M4 rifle, uh, you're probably talking minimum of 20 grand these days, probably more like 25 grand. And if you want like an MP5 or a HK, 
you're upwards of thirty-five to forty thousand dollars for a rifle. So, um, with all that being said, um, you're not allowed in the state of Massachusetts to have more than one evil feature on your shotgun. So, if your shotgun has a pistol grip, it can't have a detachable magazine. So that's why the AR-12s are no longer are not legal in Massachusetts for us to sell. Um, if it has some sort of thumbhole stock or something like that, we can do it. I think the like the VR80, that Rock Island Armory VR80 is is a thumbhole stock. It's connected. It's not like a, a typical pistol grip. So you know that's something we can do. Um, but if it's a straight pistol grip and detachable mag, it's no go zone. Um, so there you have that. But there's plenty of really good 12 gauge semi-auto shotguns on the market. Uh, and if you get it with a mag tube, then, you know, you, you can have the pistol grip and semi-auto. So just get the, like a Beretta 1301 tactical, which is phenomenal, by the way. It's a really high quality shotgun. I would much rather that anyway. Some, some of the mag-fed shotguns are really cumbersome for mag changes. I'm not a big fan of them. I think they're a little bit cumbersome. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, Andrew says he was in today and he got some 9mm, which is nice that we have it, isn't it? It's nice to see 9mm again. Um, and there was a nice woman stocking the ammo. So that was probably Nicole or Roxy. So good on you, ladies. They... Uh, like it when you're stocking ammo. <laughs> I don't think it was for the obvious. I think it was for the obvious reasons of that because everybody's happy to see ammo. And uh, Big Gucci says FJB, and we all know what that hashtag has turned into. You almost can't go to a college football game these days without seeing that uh, chant go forth. Or what did they what did they call it on uh, live TV the other night when in the NASCAR race that? Uh, they were saying, uh, oh, a chant has just broken out that it was like, you go, Brian, or you go, Brandon. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I don't think that's what they were saying. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to leave that right there. But yeah, it's amazing that the most popular president in the history of our country uh, literally can't drive his motorcade down the street without being... Uh, picketed against or protested against so it's amazing when you get 82 million votes and it doesn't seem like anyone likes you out there what the heck but again i'm not going to go down that road i try not to get political here because uh frankly i'm i i like all people and especially at cape gunworks we service everybody so there you have it Join us for the Gunmakers Match, a shooting contest for gunmakers being held at Cape Gunworks on the for the very first time. It's on November 20th for the Education Day and the 21st for the Gunmakers Match. So you got to go to capegunworks.com and click on the Gunmakers banner to register because it's going to be epic and you don't want to miss it. We're going to talk to Keith Langer about that on the other side. So stay tuned. We will be right back. is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. 
we've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. This is attorney Keith G. Langer, not just a gun rights lawyer, but a fellow gun owner at home on the range as well as in court. I can help you obtain or regain your firearms license, recover or transfer your firearms, and defend you against firearms or other criminal charges. I can also help protect your property with will sets, including trusts, healthcare proxies, and powers of attorney zoning or other permitting issues, as well as collections and civil litigation. To schedule a consultation, call 508-384-8692. That's 508-384-8692. Or visit my website, kglangerlaw.com. Talk to you soon. All right, welcome back to Rapid Fire. This is Toby Leary, and we are glad you're joining us for our show about all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And we are really excited to announce that we have a gun makers match coming up November 20th and 21st, and it's going to be awesome. I don't think anything like it's ever been done in our area. I think a few of them have started trickling out nationally. It's going to be brought to you by... The Firearms Policy Coalition, Guns for Everyone, um, and the Second Amendment Organization. So there's a bunch of good people getting involved, not to mention Gun Owners Action League is going to be heavily involved as well. And so we're glad to host it. And uh, so there's going to be a two-day event. Saturday is going to be the educational portion. So if you want to come in and build your own gun, we'll have some staff on hand that can maybe point you in the right direction of how to get your gun together and built out of a kit. If you're doing like a kit gun, like a 365 or a 320 uh, fire control unit or the polymer 80 and whatnot. So I figured we should get the expert on Keith Langer, who knows all things law and second amendment law in Massachusetts. So Keith, thanks for joining us. How are you today? 
I'm fine, but nobody knows everything about Second Amendment law in Massachusetts because they keep making it up as they go along. <laughs> it would be a you'd have to have uh, quite the intellect to be able to digest it all, right? <laughs> you'd have to be omniscient and prescient. <laughs> yes, you'd reach uh, a deity status, no doubt about it. Um, I bet you the people who write the law don't even know all about it. So, well, I've always said that. Uh, the people who write the laws in Massachusetts have an ignorance of firearms that is exceeded only by their antipathy towards them. Mm, yes, well said. So, as you heard, I announced we're going to be hosting this gunmakers match, and it's met with a whole bunch of excitement. People are pretty excited about it, including myself, by the way, where we can kind of put together a home-built firearm through either a kit or like a fire control unit or... In some cases, a polymer 80 type of lower for your typical Glock 19 or something to that effect. And then there's even going to be people who are sophisticated enough to kind of 3D print their own frame, if you will. And the question com keeps coming back, like, is this legal? Like, can I do that? I didn't. I had no idea. We're in Massachusetts. I didn't think this this was a thing, you know, so... You know, can you comment on that and and speak toward the legality of a home-built firearm? Well, it's perfectly legal to build your own firearm as a general rule. The problem in Massachusetts is if you try to build an AR, because due to the AG's unilateral edict in 2016 on the eve of the Democrat convention, you, you can't have an AR anymore in Massachusetts. You can't have any new ones. You can't build one and register it. So to the extent that her unilateral edict is law, and it has not been successfully challenged in court, then if you try to build an AR in Massachusetts, you are on, as they say, the horns of a dilemma. If you register it, you're jumping up and down and saying, here I am. <laughs> and begging for a prosecution if she finds out about it. If you don't register it, and somehow it comes to the attention of the authorities, then I pretty much guarantee you will be charged with not registering the firearm. Right. So Now, that's for ARs. Right. Build handguns to your heart's content. So as long as you're not building an, an assault pistol, you know, over 50 ounces mag separate from the all that as long as you're building a polymer 80 imitation glock or what have you build it register it and bring it to your match yeah and w there's an asterisk on the ar building if somebody was like no i really want to build an ar they could build a fixed mag version correct if as long as the mag is permanently attached to the gun Permanently attached being the key phrase. Mm -hmm. What constitutes permanently attached? And in the case of a polymer lower, I don't think you could achieve permanent attachment unless somehow you had a 3D printer that built a fixed mag polymer lower. If you just bought a polymer lower, I don't know if you could successfully convert it to fixed mag to a level that would keep the authorities happy if they ever encountered it. I'm thinking possibly blind rivets or the like. But if it's polymer, of course, 
you can't weld, braze, or solder it. And I don't know what you would have for adhesive that might possibly cling to a polymer. Yeah, maybe like a JB weld or a, you know, a, something very serious. Yeah, like a JB weld or a type of PVC cement or something like that that might, you know, like a DevCon model glue or <laughs> I don't know that, you know, something but the, that would require the, the near destruction of the lower to do it. And we had a case like that where they took a fixed mag lower and basically destroyed it. And they said, oh, yeah, we got the mag out and prosecuted the guy for unlawful possession of assault weapon, when in point of fact, it was never an assault weapon because it never had a detachable mag, mm -hmm. and they destroyed the gun trying to prove it did. But the manufacturer in that case stepped up and beat the cops in Norfolk County Superior Court. Yeah. So, obviously, you're going to have to defend whatever actions you do if you choose to build a fixed mag AR and whatnot. And, and uh, you know, I think that the intent is there to make it a fixed mag. It's not like if you're welding or gluing or, you know, using some permanently attached magazine kit, then uh, if they, you know, they can charge you with anything at that point. But, you know, you may have to find yourself defending yourself if you choose to do that. But I'm just throwing it out there that conceivably or conceptually you could make a gun that would be compliant as long as the mag is fixed in the gun. Or or if you make like a pistol caliber carbine that's like a direct blowback that's not an AR, you know, style gun. Right, because at that point you're using a different mechanism. Right. And, and that's what distinguishes the Ruger and the SIG um, AR style guns. From a true AR, the uh, the fact that they're using a different gas system. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, well, that's good to know. And uh, so then getting back to the legality of the pistol build. So say you come on sun Saturday and you build your, uh, you know, whatever, Polymer 80 or you 3D printed a frame and something like that, and you compete in the match. What, what are you required to do by law at that point after you've made the gun? Once you've got everything you need to make the gun functional, you've got seven days to register it on the EFA-10 portal. Mm -hmm. You do not have to put a serial number on it. You might want to, uh, but it's not required. The only time you're going to be getting into issues there is if the gun is not for personal use and you start cranking them out and selling them. Right. Then you're going to start getting attention because... They're not serialized, and at that point, you're acting as not just a dealer, but as an SOT uh, constructor. Right. That's the sort of thing that will get you ATF attention. Sure. Now, if you did make the gun and you registered the gun and you carried it and competed with it and you, in the gun maker's match, and then a year later you decided you wanted to sell it to your buddy, could you do that through the EFA-10 portal? Yeah, because it's... At that point, it's just another private transaction. Right. It would be no different from your selling a gun you bought a couple of years ago and you decided to replace or upgrade or whatever. Yeah. As long as you're not selling more than four a year, you're fine. Right. And now, if somebody had a 80% uh, lower that they bought prior to the Healy Edict or a AR lower, 
prior to that because we used to sell them by the bucket load, you know, in the shop. Um, and if they acquired that lower, and one guy's even asking on the chat if he has a receipt that he could prove it, can he build it into a, a post-band configuration, you know, and build that gun and, and own it. Well, the problem there is that the gun didn't exist at the time of Healy's edict. He just had a lower. A lower is not a gun in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. It is for the ATF because the ATF was originally created to tax us. That's why it's got alcohol and tobacco in there. Mm -hmm. And that was Congress's means of controlling firearms through taxation, the $200 tax. And that's why ATF was originally under Treasury. So anything that the manufacturers produce that is the basis of the gun, ATF was taxing. That's where the serial numbers come from, starting in 68. Mm -hmm. But in Massachusetts, it's not a gun if it's not capable of firing, which a bare lower, never mind an 80%. Even a bare lower is not a gun. Sure. So the fact that you bought a, a bare lower in 2015, so what? You didn't build it. It wasn't a gun. Therefore, it did not exist at the time of Healy's little edict. Interesting. Well, it's funny because I had a, um, I had a uh, conversation with the attorney general's office about this, and I said, what if somebody has a rifle? Like when it was dealing specifically with what was in our inventory prior to that date, and they allowed us to continue to sell that inventory off after the date, and I said, well, what if somebody builds a gun that they, you know, because they had a lower prior to that date, and they said, well, if they can prove that they owned it, then we would probably not prosecute them. But, you know, that was... A, it's, it's verbal, not in right. writing. True. B, it's from somebody with probably no authority, and C, we would probably not prosecute. <laughs> right. Meaning, depending on what posture we needed to take to make today's headlines, we may or may not crucify you for taking your own property that you bought years ago and make it into something that's completely legal and was sold without even question of it being legal for over two decades. Right. And the fact that, um, you know, once you, you know, if you make a gun for yourself then and register it and it was completely legal for two decades, like you said, uh, can they continue to you know, sell that on a private transfer basis after, you know, so they, they acquired an AR or built one before the date and they, so it's a pre-Healy lower or, or gun. Can they transfer it? Yes. Okay. Uh, she even said that, of course, she, she kept changing the announcement. Uh, you'd need a loose leaf binder to keep up with all the various iterations of her interpretations of her edict. Yeah. But the bottom line is, it is supposedly grandfathered, and as a private transfer, it's far less likely to be flagged because right. it's an existing gun. All right, awesome. Well, thanks so much for clearing that up for us, and I hope to see you at the match. If you want to come and have some fun with us, come on down. And uh, thank you for joining us, as always, Keith. And uh, if you want to take a private lesson or get one-on-one -on -one instruction tailored to you, we have lessons for pistol, rifle, and shotgun. Uh, or test out different guns, book one now at capegunworks.com, private lessons, capegunworks.com slash privates. We will be right back. This is Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Lear.
nobody thinks it will happen to them. But with over 2,000 emergency phone calls per month to our independent program attorney answered hotline, it's closer to home than you think. At U.S. Law Shield, we give you exclusive access to our 24-7, 365 emergency hotline. Not a call center, direct access to our network of independent program attorneys. With a price point of only $10.95 per month and unlimited attorney hours for criminal and civil defense, U.S. Law Shield provides you with unparalleled service and protection where it matters most. No other program comes close. We believe an educated member is an empowered member. We do this by providing educational resources featuring seasoned attorneys, firearms instructors, law enforcement, and experts in all areas. We at U.S. Law Shield believe peace of mind should come with simple and affordable protection. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, and thank you, Keith Langer, for joining us. And make sure you go to kglanger.com if you need his assistance. Sorry, kglangerlaw.com if you need his assistance. Hopefully you don't, but if you do, he's the right guy for the job. So um, anyway, uh, it was a very interesting discussion, and we get asked that question a lot about, you know, people don't realize that it is legal to build your own gun here in the People's Republic of Afghanistan because they haven't figured out that, you know, a way to completely remove our, our rights yet, but they're working on it. So hopefully we can shovel against the tide for as long as we can and, you know, get some good court decisions and some good rulings that will come down and, and make things a better place here in Massachusetts. Along those lines, the Supreme Court had, I think, six cases on its docket or five cases on its docket, and it recently just tossed out three of them, which is kind of disappointing. One of them I was really hopeful on, which was a case, I believe, out in like Utah or Idaho that was a nonviolent felon from failure to pay child support at 21 years old or whatever is now a prohibited person. And so, um, uh, you know, this would have been a really good case to have the ATF, I'm sorry, excuse me, the Supreme Court um, rule on, but they, they didn't, they punted. And then two other cases were punted as well. One was from New Jersey, which is very similar to the New York uh, State Pistol and Rifle Association case um, that is gonna be heard. So maybe they felt it was redundant because it would cover some of the same language in it, but I don't know. So for whatever reason, they're not hearing that. And then another case about, uh, I'm trying to remember what the heck it was about. Um, I think it was about another one about prohibited people or something like that, that got punted on. So hopefully um, we start to see some good positive traction in the you know coming before the supreme court maybe they'll take that uh case eventually when it goes through the through the full appellate panel in california on the magazine capacity ban so we would uh like to see those make their way through the court system and see our rights restored 
because frankly, uh, the Second Amendment looks nothing like the original framers intent. And I would love to see rights given back to us because that that's really what needs to happen. And we were talking about before the show, <laughs> when you see these like unbelievable decisions, like the, they're going to start sending the FBI to school committee meetings because these women who are upset that they their kid has to wear a mask get pretty angry at these meetings and they start yelling or they've sat there for a couple hours and then they're not going to be able to be heard at all and so they throw a little fit rightfully so so now the FBI is going to be going to the these school committee meetings instead of like going to Chicago where there was a major gang shootout the other day and on average, 20 people get shot a day. So think about that. Real crime occurring in our cities and on our streets. But we're going to send the FBI to the school committee meeting where the soccer moms and the, their husbands are there to be heard about, you know, whatever topic, whether it be critical race theory or, uh, you know, masking our children you know, whatever it is. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it's interesting times we live in. And you see that the Biden administration has just offered up to hire and basically double the size of the ATF. Um, so they want to double the size of the ATF. They want to, you know, use the CDC the Department of the uh, Treasury and the State Department to restrict our rights. It, it's just unbelievable, the weaponization. All right. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from the U.S. Law Shield. It's a self-defense membership, and you can call a lawyer anytime. We will be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary. Don't go away. Made in America since 1949. Family owned and operated. Legendary performance. This is Hornady. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Snap safe. Featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel door, 2300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security. All right, welcome back to Rapid Fire. It's the fastest hour or two in radio because we're talking all things guns, Second Amendment, freedom, and self-defense, and time flies when you're having fun. So 
We love what we do. So uh, if you want your voice to be heard on the show and get to your questions, you got to go to capegunworks.com, click on Rapid Fire, and you can be a part of the chat. We will answer your questions on the air. So um, that's what we've been doing, and we will continue to get to some of your uh, questions here. So uh, we had one question. Someone says that they accidentally got a high cap mag in one of their gun purchases, and I told them not to go to the range. Uh, that's this is what he's saying. His friend bought the gun, and he he said, "Don't take it to the range like that." What should he do? And I said, "Well, shoot, if it came from us, which you know is unlikely, but if it did, it did." Uh, bring it back and we will swap it out for him for a 10 rounder. We wouldn't want anyone to get in trouble. If you got it from another shop, then bring it in and we will pin it permanently to 10 rounds for him so that, you know, he stays out of trouble in that regard. So that's the way to do it. You don't, a lot of people don't even realize that it's illegal to possess a high capacity magazine that was made after September 13th, 1994. And a lot of the modern firearms weren't even around then, so you're not going to be able to pass it off that it's a pre-band mag on a gun that was just manufactured this year or last year. So we'll, we'll pin it up for them or swap it out. And the uh, confusion is when you get your license to carry, it is a large capacity license to carry. They used to call it a Class A license to carry to possess large capacity firearms or weapons or magazines but yet so people think oh i got the class a license to carry or i got the large capacity license to carry and now there's no such thing as class a and class b but they think that oh cool i'm good to go because i have this license to carry well not exactly that would be too easy that would be way too easy to you know too clear cut we got to leave the whammy in there, the, the, the trap, the entrapment, you know, so that you think, uh, you think uh, <laughs> things are going to be all good because you got the right license and all of a sudden, hey, that 12-round magazine that you possess is a felony and it's going to ruin your life and throw everything that you hold dear into, uh, you know, the stratosphere and you're going to, we're seizing all your guns and we're going to, you know, revoke your license and charge you with possession of a high-capacity weapon because, or a high-capacity magazine because it holds 12 rounds, two rounds more than what we legally say you can have or possess. Those extra two rounds, man, those make all the difference in the world. And bef there's no reason to even enter that ridiculous debate because of on its face everybody realizes it's ridiculous. And... uh so hopefully uh, you can keep out of trouble and just comply or find a gun that takes pre-band mags and there you go if that matters a lot to you. Frankly, I don't think that you need to have, uh, you know, like for me, I'm not going to compromise good modern technology just to get 12 rounds in the gun. I'd rather get 10 rounds and have a good quality firearm, carry a couple backup magazines. So... That's my own personal opinion, but, uh, you know, I think it's ridiculous that we are restricted at all, and law enforcement is not. Their rights are fully preserved, but the rest of us, uh, 
peasants. We have to suck up to the gentry, I guess, and ask permission oh and ask permission for our rights and say, please, sir, may I have another? And like my, my dad used to say at dinner time, you're going to eat it and like it. You get what we give you and you're going to eat it and like it. So that's the way it goes. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, hopefully we see that law challenged in the Supreme Court. That'd be great. Um, Mac Man was wondering if he could put the extended tube on the 1301 tactical so it'll take seven rounds instead of five. And the answer is no, because it's a semi-automatic shotgun. Therefore, it is limited to five rounds because um, semi-automatic shotguns, you know, are can be attributed to the mass slangs of many people every year. Oh, wait a minute. It's actually not that many. But then again, we're going to we're going to hold them to a very high standard. So there you go. Um, if it's a pump shotgun, you can have the extra shells in the tube. So you can have a nine round tube or whatever you want on it. So there you have that. So that's better. Yep, that's the sound they like. They don't like the bang, bang, bang. They want the bang, ch -ch bang. That's the universal language, though. <laughs> Some people buy. Yeah, there you go. Some people buy pump shotguns because they speak that language and they hope that it will deter somebody just based on the sound. I'm like, well, your self-defense plan is a little thin if you're relying on the sound of the pump action shotgun driving away somebody who shouldn't be in your house uh, from being in your house. I don't think that's a good plan to have, but whatever. Maybe it'll work. That's called a psychological stop, by the way. And the only thing you can truly plan on is the physiological stop. So there you go. Um, Breaking news. I'm not necessarily saying that if a gun comes out into a fight or into a situation that it has to be shot. I'm just saying that if somebody is committed to, you know, hurting you or your loved ones, then you can't count on them being able to see a gun or hear an action of a gun and be like, oh, that's it. I'm not going to risk it and and run away. Some of them are, you know, they're on a suicide, you know, kamikaze run and they don't care if they die in the process, but they're going to try and take down as many people as possible. So um, the Lyrid says, Hey, how's it going? I got to sneak in and throw 100 rounds of 45 down range, trying to stay sharp. And that is a good idea. Um, I, would, I would recommend everybody stay sharp. And, you know, out of the 100 million gun owners out there, estimates range from 80 to 130 million. So I'll just take the middle of that and say 100 million. It's pretty obvious that about half of them are active. So you got about 50 million people that shoot on a regular basis you know they might shoot competitively they might go to uh, gun shows they might go to gun stores they might be a member of a rod and gun club or a range and shoot pretty regularly they might take training classes hopefully they take training classes and that would be great and out of those 50 million that stay sharp they're less likely to uh, actually find themselves into a self-defense situation because training helps avoid them in the first place. But 
All right, well, that's the end of the first segment. And if you are listening on the radio, you can go to the website and hear the second hour, which is coming up next. We want to thank you for tuning in. And remember, the show ends here now, but it goes on for another hour. So tune in at capegunworks.com. Click on Rapid Fire and join us on the Ranger here. Extended answers to your questions. All things Second Amendment. I'm Toby. Don't go away. We will be right back or we will see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. God bless and we'll see you soon. tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Alexander Hamilton said, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. This is Toby from Cape Gunworks. When our founding fathers drafted the Second Amendment, there was no question of its meaning. Today, if you have questions, come to Cape Gunworks for some advice, training, or to send a few rounds downrange. We have a fully stocked pro shop with a huge selection of guns, crossbows, archery, classes, rentals, a 15-lane range, and a friendly staff. Come on down to Cape Gunworks Airport Road, Hyannis, or capegunworks.com. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex.
Welcome to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, sponsored by Vortex Optics. And remember, you can join us every week here on the radio or on the podcast. Go to capecomerce.com, click on Rapid Fire, or wherever you find your podcasts. You should be able to find us. Just type in Rapid Fire, all one word, and we will pop right up. And you can listen to the back shows. You can cure insomnia and listen as you fall asleep at night to my soothing voice. I'm sure it'll help you fall right to sleep. (laughs) There's nothing like gun talk, right? That'll put you right to sleep. So we're glad you're here for the second hour of Rapid Fire. And uh, remember to like us on all the social media platforms. Our handle is at Cape Gunworks on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, Parler, Dailymotion. What else are we on? Are we on Telegram yet? We are. We're on Telegram. All right, cool. And uh, we'll probably be on. Oh, and we're on Getter too. All right, Getter done. So there's some that didn't even get blacked out last week, right? Uh, Because they're not owned by... Uh, YouTube, uh, excuse me, Facebook. Um, But find us wherever you like to get your social media and like and subscribe and share and all that good stuff and be a good ambassador for the Rapid Fire Show and tell your friends and family. You know what's cool for me is actually I get some people that listen to the show that have zero interest in firearms. Um, They really don't. They don't own guns. They've never owned guns. They've never... um, wanted to own a gun they are sympathetic to the second amendment cause um they're like if i wanted to own a gun i would but they're not like anti-gun but they find the show entertaining so that's cool um i think that's awesome so um, we'll get to your questions here as well if you want to type your question into the chat and we will we will get right to it so There's some news out there in gun world. Uh, I know the New York AG came out and made an incredibly poignant observation. He, He pointed out the obvious fact that it's easier to get a gun than an apple in Central Park. And, you know, I if it wasn't obvious to everybody that guns are easier to get than an apple, you know, thankfully he cleared that up for us and, and said, you know, this is, this is really, uh, we're, we're really uh, not happy about that. Oh, my. They actually said, uh, there's the quote, uh, excuse me, it's uh, Latita James. It's a, it's a woman, not a man. So what is so tragic is that in some parts of New York State, you can find a gun more easily than you can find an apple. Wow. Um, I remember a politician a few years ago, I forget who it was, uh, that said, it's easier to buy a gun than to rent a library book. And I'm like, hmm, that is amazing. And where do you live? Because I want to go live where you live, where it's easier to buy a gun than it is a rent a library book, take out a library book. That might be true in this day and age, because I don't know, do they still have libraries? Or can you even go to a library and rent, you know, take out a book anymore? Do people even know what a book is? I mean, I used, I have my clams card down here on Cape Cod. You could go to any library on Cape if you flash the clams card and 
you could get one and they'd bring it in from another library if they didn't have the one you were looking for. But I think with the advent of the internet and Audible and everything else and that type of platform and podcasts, libraries are probably like the horse whip of the future. You know, they're probably standing on their last leg. I, I think endowments have been keeping them alive for a long time, but uh, I like libraries. I think they're cool and I like books. I like to read. Um, so, but right now it's been a little easier to, you know, download them on a device than to actually go get the paper copy. I still do get the paper copy, but I tend to buy the book rather than go to the library. But because it takes me so long to read a book, <laughs> I actually would be paying more than the book in late fees if I, if I uh, still went to the library. But I digress. I don't think it's easier to get a gun than an apple in the state of Mass, uh, New York. Uh, it's the article on Ammo Land says New York State is flush with apples, according to the U.S. Apple Association. Out of the 32 states that grow apples commercially, New York State is the second largest producer of the fruit. Uh, last year, the yield was an estimated 1.385 billion pounds of apples, with a B. So 1.385 billion pounds of apples. <laughs> the New York Apple Association has even has a find apples search feature on its website. And don't they even go, doesn't New York go by the big apple? So, I mean, you know, what, where did, did she think this statement through? Like, did she like say, I'm going to say something profound today. I'm going to step up to the microphone and I'm going to burp out one of the most intelligent things I've said in a long time. And it's going to sound something to the effect that guns are more common than apples in our state. Yeah, that, that produces 1.385 billion pounds of apples. And uh, in a state that is extremely restricted when it comes to firearms, uh, unless you live in some of the more rural areas, I... You, you probably have trouble even finding a gun shop in some of the parts of New York. But anyway, that's just one of the little pieces I, I read. Um, and then also there's lots of red flag legislation coming down the pipe. And uh, you can go over to Guns and Gadgets, and Jared was talking about this on his podcast as well. Um, some of the ones that legitimately have a chance of passing um, – you know, the legislature and the Senate, they'll definitely probably pass the legislature, but uh, they're packaged up pretty nicely with other stuff. So hopefully uh, we can educate the community around us and the, the people around us to contact their senators and urge them not to vote for such uh, restrictive gun laws that only could be abused and and really uh, harm the law-abiding, responsible gun owner. That is the problem I see with most red flag laws. Um, and there's already a provision in most states for somebody who is a threat to themselves or others to, you know, get the police to pay him a visit. So I think it's redundant, but really it's not just redundant. It's more targeted towards being able to take guns from law-abiding people or responsible people and make them fight or defend their right to get it back. That's just the way I see it. 
I don't I don't think they serve a legitimate purpose as far as keeping people safe uh, from themselves or others. And I'm I know there's plenty of law on the books already that you can use to your advantage if you have a legitimately concern le- legitimate concern for somebody who's about to hurt themselves or somebody else. Police will respond. All right. The best legal protection, if you want it, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. You can call lawyers whenever you need to, to talk to them about compliance questions or general questions about firearms. You'll see why I am also a member of U.S. Law Shield. So go ahead and give them a call or text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer. We will be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Leary. Nobody thinks it will happen to them. But with over 2,000 emergency phone calls per month to our independent program attorney answered hotline, it's closer to home than you think. At U.S. Law Shield, we give you exclusive access to our 24 7, 365 emergency hotline, not a call center, direct access to our network of independent program attorneys. With a price point of only $10.95 per month and unlimited attorney hours for criminal and civil defense, U.S. Law Shield provides you with unparalleled service and protection where it matters most. No other program comes close. We believe an educated member is an empowered member. We do this by providing educational resources featuring seasoned attorneys, firearms instructors, law enforcement, and experts in all areas. We at U.S. Law Shield believe peace of mind should come with simple and affordable protection. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about all things guns, Second Amendment, freedom, and self-defense. And don't forget to join us for the Gun Makers Match, the shooting contest for gun makers, makers being held at Cape Gunworks for the first time ever, November 20th and 21st. Go to capegunworks.com and click on the Gun Makers banner to register. Brought to you by Firearms Policy Coalition, Gun Owners Action League, and Guns for Everyone. So. We would love to have you. It's going to be epic. It's going to be awesome. And it's going to be a first here in Massachusetts. And we're glad to be hosting it. So let's get to some of your questions. Uh, we had a question earlier about any tips with flying with a gun from Brendan. And specifically American Airlines, if you have experience with them. I have flown with a gun many times. And honestly, I can't remember if it was with American, although it probably was. I fly with all the airlines. So... Um, it's very easy to do. And basically what you want to do is when you check your bag, if it's a long gun, it's probably going to be separate from, you know, your suitcase. And you have to have an airline approved uh, case and lock it with your own lock. Don't use a TSA lock. They don't want TSA agents being able to open up gun boxes. So you use your own lock whether you get like a lockable case itself or you use a padlock or something like that and then when you get to the check-in counter you say i have a firearm to declare 
they will then hand you a little cardboard card that you fill out and sign your name to and date it. And it basically says firearm that will be read through the uh, through the radar, you know, the uh, the baggage scanner. And it'll show up when they x-ray the baggage. And so as long as they see that card in there, they'll let it pass. If they don't see the card and they see a gun, you're going to have some splaining to do. So ask me how I know. <laughs> Because uh, I failed to disclose the gun once when I was flying home from Alaska. Um, I just slipped my mind. I was thinking about that fried haddock I was going to have at the Humpy's restaurant in the Anchorage airport. And uh, I totally forgot to declare my firearm. And I was about to board the plane and they said, Mr. Leary? I said, yes, I am. Wow, you must watch Rapid Fire if you know me by name. They're like, no, you're the last one on the plane. And I'm like, oh, okay, sorry about that. They're like, you traveling with a firearm? I said, yes, I am. Oh, shoot, yes, I am. Yeah, that's right. Go back through security, go back out there, fill out the card, see the police, do your thing, come back, and maybe we'll still be here. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, that was not a fun day. I was doing the O.J. Simpson sprint through the airport trying to get out, and then there was a cop waiting for me. I had to show him the gun, do a whole lot of explaining, fill out the card, put it back in, watch it get scanned, then sent down the thing. When I came back, the plane was still there. And everybody was looking at me like I was, you know, uh, a leper as I walked onto the plane. And I'm saying, sorry, sorry, sorry for holding up and getting behind schedule. But they held the plane for me, which I was very grateful for. But. I had to deal with the TSA about six months later. They sent me a bill in the mail for 1500 bucks, and they charged me with a fine saying that I failed to disclose the firearm. But they didn't just say I failed to disclose a firearm. They said attempting to go through secure location with a firearm. So I was like, this is not what I did. Like they made it sound like I was trying to go through the uh, you know, security line with a gun in my waistband or something. That is not at all what it what it happened. So they said, if you pay the fine, we'll knock it down to 750 bucks. If you choose to fight it and you lose, you'll pay the 1500 bucks. I'm like, man, talk about strong arm tactics here. And then I, they said, or you can call this number. So I called the number and I I pled my case to this agent. She said, we're going to let it go this time, Leary, but don't ever do it again. So I said, okay. So getting back to the procedure, you you just declare it, you fill out the card, you put it in the case, you lock it, you keep the key with you, and you send it down the baggage claim. If you're traveling with a pistol, put it in a locked case in your luggage. Believe it or not, ammunition doesn't have to be locked up. It just has to be separate from the gun. So the gun is unloaded and locked in a case. The ammo has to be an original packaging um, you can't just have it loosely floating around. It has to be an original packaging. And you're limited on how many rounds you can actually travel with. I think it was about 100 rounds. It's done by weight, not volume, <laughs> like a bag of chips. But I think when I went to Saskatchewan with a hunting rifle, I took four boxes and I was at the threshold. I almost had to send one home. Um, so just be be wary of that. Buy the ammo when you get to where you're going. 
unless you're traveling to Massachusetts, no one can sell it to you. So <laughs> you got to bring it. Um, so anyway, that's that. Um, all right. Jim was wondering what the answer to the threaded barrel question was, and I didn't give an answer. So earlier in the chat, somebody said, I was walking through the shop and I thought threaded barrels were a no-go zone in Massachusetts. And I saw barrels in the, on like a, you know, 509 tactical pistol or a FN, FNX pistol with a threaded barrel. And he thought they were a no-go zone in communist Massachusetts. But um, the truth of the matter is you can have threaded barrels on pistols. You can even have threaded barrels on rifles as long as it is not a assault weapon or a high-capacity firearm. So uh, that would make it an assault weapon if it was. But if you have it on, like, <clears throat> excuse me, a bolt-action rifle or something like that, that's no problem. You're allowed to have, you know, threaded barrels on just about anything as long as it's not an assault weapon. So they're good to go and uh, no problem at all. Um, you can certainly put a compensator on on a pistol or rifle. If it is an assault weapon, quote-unquote, then you would need to pin and weld a muzzle brake on there or a thread protector because you can't have a threaded barrel on an assault weapon. That makes it an evil feature, as we talked about in the first hour. Uh, Diane Feinstein coined that phrase, quote-unquote, evil feature. So... So that's the deal with the threaded barrels. It's not a problem. Um, you can have them as long as it's not a assault weapon. And Bubba says he likes the ad on WBZ. So if you're on that morning drive listening to WBZ, you might hear an ad for Rapid Fire or for Cape Gunworks. So uh, that's pretty cool that you're hearing it. It's nice that it the word gets out. Um, Let's see, and uh, Brendan says, seems easy enough from my understanding. Some airlines have slightly different policies. I'll get there and hope for the best. Uh, you can always look on their website, but most of the airline companies, the airlines, when you ha click on the traveling with a firearm, it brings you to like the FAQ page of the TSA. So it's basically all frequently asked questions. My experience has always been that when I go to like Boston, they don't even want to see the gun. They're like, okay, it's unloaded, right? And I'm like, yeah, I'll open it up and try. No, 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 no. You know, <laughs> just slide this piece of paper in there and shut it and lock it. Okay. They take my word for it. When you travel to like Texas or something, they're like, okay, open the case, unload it. Oh, that's a nice gun with it there. What, what, what kind is that? <laughs> You're like, so they, you know, they're not afraid to look at a gun, but. If you're in Massachusetts or New York City, it might be a different story, but um, the uh, procedure is the same. So there you go. Max saying, when is it legal to hunt coyotes in your local neighborhood? Your wife just had an encounter walking our dog. Um, it's probably never legal to hunt in the neighborhood unless you get everybody in the neighborhood to agree so that you can be within 500 feet of the occupied dwelling and that would need to be in writing um, but you would still need to be 150 feet from the road so even if you get permission from your neighbor to hunt within 500 feet of their house um, you got to be 150 feet from the road so if you have 
you know, a lot of woods in the neighborhood and you can get that far off the road, then you could probably make it happen. So the law is you got to be 500 feet from an occupied dwelling or 150 feet from the road and it has to be legal for hunting. So in other words, it can't be posted, no trespassing or, or a, um, you know, posted no hunting zone. Uh, so if it's a self-defense situation, um, that's different. So in other words, if the coyote is coming at the, your wife and she shoots it because she's in fear for her life, uh, or that, that she's going to be attacked by this coyote, that's a different situation. You might still get charged. And again, I would highly recommend becoming a member of U.S. Law Shield because um, they will foot the bill for that type of legal defense. But um, you you just don't know, uh, you know, what the situation is. I was walking my dog last week in an area and the dog, my dog saw a bunny and he took off after the bunny into the woods, which he typically will do. And I know that the bunny is safe because once it makes a hard left or hard right, Arlo continues running right past until he realizes he loses the scent and he circles back. And by that time, bunny has found its hole in the ground or whatever. But he ran in after the bunny, came out about a minute or two later, and not 10 seconds later, a coyote comes out right where my dog left the woods. And he kind of sat there for a minute and I actually pulled out my cell phone and was videoing it. My dog turned around and looked at the coyote and I was looking back and forth between my dog and the coyote to see what was going to happen. And my dog was, you know, hair standing on the back of his neck. He wanted to go have some fun with the coyote. And uh, coyote actually started barking and howling at us. So it was crazy. I'll talk more about this on the other side. But if you're hearing this and you don't have your gun license yet, we have regularly scheduled classes. So you can come take an LC, LTC class, including ladies only and couples classes at capegunworks.com. So check it out at capegunworks.com. So you're listening to Rapid Fire. We will be right back. This is Toby Lear. If you crave versatility in a tactical reticle, the new ARBDC3 delivers with a host of features you need to adapt in the field. A 1 MOA center dot provides a precise point of aim, while the surrounding 16 MOA open circle helps get your eye into the center faster for rapid target acquisition in close quarters. The ARBDC3 also adapts to a variety of light conditions. The center dot and surrounding open circle illuminate for low light shooting, and because the reticle is glass etched, it can also function without any illumination. When you need to go long, the upper ranging feature allows you to range silhouette targets up to 600 yards, while the bullet drop compensator, or BDC, keeps you on target up to 650 yards. Plus, you get wind holds for 5, 10, and 15 mile per hour winds. The ARBDC3 is specifically tuned to the ballistic performance of most common 5.56 loads out of an AR-15. There are resources in the reticle manual for conversions to 308, and as with any BDC, information gathered from a chronograph and ballistics calculator can adapt these hash marks to any other caliber and its own unique ballistic curve. From point blank to way down range, adapt with the ARBDC3. This is the Voltec VT-10i. 
It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, and join us every week for the only radio show around that talks all things guns, Second Amendment, freedom, and self-defense. You can always check us out at capegunworks.com, click on Rapid Fire, or you can find us wherever you find your podcast. Just type in Rapid Fire, all one word, and we should pop right up. So we were talking about, before the break, uh, the legality of shooting a coyote in your neighborhood. Um... Again, I think you got to be 150 feet from the road. It has to be in the during the prescribed season. You've got to have a hunting license, and you got to be 500 feet from a house or occupied dwelling, unless you have written permission otherwise. So that's the parameters that you would find yourself trying to comply with. And uh, I was telling the story about last week how Coyote came out and was coming a little bit closer to my dog, and my dog was staring him down and. And this was a pretty good-sized coyote, and he started yipping and yipping, and I thought he was calling in the rest of the pack to say, hey, we got some good eats over here. So at that point, I called my dog off, and it was funny. Before I called my dog off, he charged down the, the hill toward the coyote like he wanted to go after it, and I he got about halfway to the coyote, and I called him back, and fortunately, he listened, so we didn't get into a... Uh, uh, scrapple there with uh, coyote and dog and tooth fang and claw and probably a trip to the Can vet <laughs> probably a trip to the vet where I would have had to probably stitch him up a little bit but I think he would have taken the coyote I, I really do but they hunt in packs unfortunately so in this same area a couple of years ago um, my dog saw a coyote and charged after it and he went up over the hill and I lost sight of it and then I saw another coyote come bombing out from the side. I heard my dog yip and come flying back over the hill towards me. 
with two coyotes on his heels. And so once he got past me, I jumped out in front of these other two coyotes and yelled, hey, you know, and they stopped. But they were looking past me for the dog. And at that point, I had my gun out and I was like, I didn't want to have to shoot because it wasn't legal uh, hunting season and I wasn't using a legal hunting implement and I, I wasn't 500 feet from an occupied dwelling. So I didn't want to get into that whole thing. So I was glad that the coyotes thought better of it than, than to charge at me or the dog. So, But I had the gun in my hand and was ready and yelled at the dogs, you know, the coyotes, and they finally lost interest and left. So it is a problem, and I wish Massachusetts would wake up and make it legal to hunt them year-round, make it an open season on coyotes, because right now we're the only state in New England that doesn't have an open season on coyotes. So you can only hunt them during the prescribed season, and they're usually running concurrent with bird hunting, duck hunting, deer hunting, rabbit hunting season. So most people are out there going after game that they can actually eat or, you know, uh, feed their family with. They're not going to spend time hunting coyotes for the most part. Um, I do know some people who hunt a lot of coyote and they they do it almost as a um, service to people. Uh, They'll come get problem animals from their farm or their land or their whatever and so it is a fun thing to do but i wouldn't rather do it than go hunting deer so uh, it is pretty exciting though when you call them in and they come running in to the bait pile or whatever so it's a fun activity but and believe it or not there's tons of coyotes around so you know there's plenty plenty to be had out there and it's a good time to do it you got a few weeks after the end of the year I think from January 1st to like May 5th or 8th or something like that. I'm sorry, March 5th or 8th. So you get an extra couple months of hunting season if you want to be out in the woods. By that time, my wife is very happy that I'm not still out hunting. So I generally don't. But anyway, uh, Real Life says, My walker hound is a coyote bait dog. He brings them in. A well-trained dog acts injured, and slowly the coyotes come in, which is interesting. That's a I've never thought about that, but walker hounds are really cool. I used to hunt uh, on Friday nights in this derby at the Mashpee Rod and Gun Club, and would go on, you know, at like five or, uh, sorry, like seven at, at night, and would all leave and Everybody had their hounds or dogs, and we used to hunt with English foxhounds. A friend of mine had English foxhounds, but there was always a guy there with a couple of walkers, and they were great dogs. And usually it came down to the dogs we were hunting with or the walker hounds as to who got the biggest coyote, uh, biggest raccoon, and biggest, you know, or the heaviest or the most. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I had a good time with that. That was pretty neat to watch these dogs tree the raccoons and stuff and I was kind of living my boyhood life you know from if you ever read where the red fern grows it's a it's brings back fond memories of my childhood reading that book and and wanting to get a coon hound and go you know tree raccoons but uh, I read that book to all my kids and it would tear me up every time so (laughs) there you go there's the soft spot hit me right in the feels but uh, <laughs> anyway, um, Bobby says the New York State Pistol and Rifle Association case at Scudis 
uh, SCOTUS could be a huge win for gun carry rights in the restrictive communist states. Let's hope the conservative justices actually adhere to the Constitution. Yes, I would agree with that 100%. That would be really good to get our day in court. Um, and that is challenging the a lot of states' methodology, including Massachusetts, as to having to give a reason to why you want to exercise your Second Amendment. Like, there's, there's nothing more American than exercising your Second Amendment. And if I got to give you a reason why I want to exercise my rights, that's restricting my rights. I shouldn't need to ask permission. And that's, you know, that's a restriction on my rights. And in these states like New York and New Jersey and whatnot and Massachusetts for a while, it was, nah, I don't think so. That right, that reason isn't good enough. You had to come up with some like, well, I carry big buckets of cash when I leave work and I go make the night drop and, you know, I'm nervous for my own safety or or I got attacked or, you know, a band of ninjas follows me home from work every night. And, you know, if you couldn't articulate a good reason to why you needed your license to carry, they just flat out denied you. And that was the way it was and is in a lot of states. And so this is a great court uh, case, I think it could be a landmark ruling as long as, you know, it goes favorably for us. If it doesn't go favorably for us, then it perpetuates the the need to give a reason to exercise your right. And hopefully that would, uh, that would you know, uh, be followed up with the obvious follow-up, which is, well, I don't need to give a reason to exercise my Fourth Amendment right. I don't need to give a reason to exercise my First Amendment right. I don't need to give a reason to exercise my, you know, Tenth Amendment or Fourteenth Amendment. It's pretty obvious why I would be exercising my Fifth Amendment right, but you don't need to give a reason. Uh, you just exercise your rights. Anyway, um, so hopefully that does go through and we have a favorable outcome as a result. Fun with a gun says he flies with a gun very often from Logan. So if you have any questions, hit him up. Uh, but yeah, we, as I do as well, uh, it's not an issue. The agents get a little agitated, he says, especially when they ask me to get the gun out of the small safe and rack the slide. Yeah, I usually have the slide racked, up, racked back or a chamber flag right in the slide so you can see that it's not racked I mean so that it's uh, not loaded and there's a magazine that's empty in the case with it but yeah there you go um, and real life says I feel bad for people in Massachusetts but Maine will be going down the same road if politician the wrong politicians keep getting elected yeah I would agree with that statement because it's happened in Vermont so Vermont was this like an enigmatic state, in my opinion, for a long time. It was a state that had like the freedom index was off the charts. Like they for a while there, they were the only constitutional carry state in the country. And they had no other restrictions on firearms except for suppressors. They didn't allow suppressor ownership until recently. And once they allowed suppressor ownership, the dam kind of broke and they started to restrict magazine capacity and assault weapons, quote unquote, uh, assault weapons. And 
uh, a whole bunch of other stuff. While they made suppressors legal, they banned a bunch of other stuff. So I was very sad to hear that um, Vermont had gone the way of trying to a problem and you know a solution in search of a problem. Basically, they're they're basically saying that high capacity magazines are killing people, which they're not, and don't and uh, it's a psycho with a gun or a psycho with a car or a psycho with a knife or a psycho with a, a vendetta or a evil person. Maybe it's not a psycho. Maybe it's just someone evil in their heart and they want to, you know, do someone harm. But whatever the reason is, um, cutting the horns off the off the buffalo to save him from the lion doesn't make much sense. So you have responsible people owning guns who are less likely to commit a crime than non-gun owners. And you're going to say to them, but you can't have a high-capacity magazine or you can't have a gun with a collapsible stock or you can't have a gun with a threaded muzzle or you can't have a gun with a bayonet lug because of criminals who commit crime. It's so nonsensical, but it also is counterintuitive. It's like these are the responsible people who own guns for defensive purposes. So why do we want to restrict their ability to defend themselves with a gun when the criminal element who is out there committing these crimes in the first place and having shootouts in the streets of Chicago are not worried about the law because, frankly, in this shootout that happened the other day, uh, Professor Claw told me that no one was charged. They said, hey, uh, yeah, there wasn't enough evidence to charge anyone with a crime. It's like, wait a minute, are you kidding me? Are you, are you kidding me right now? Like, do some investigation. That's what you get paid for by the taxpayers. Investigate the crime, ask some hard questions, arrest some people and put them away for a long time because that's what needs to happen. So, you know, I see it happened in Vermont. Finally, the dam broke and they started to restrict the responsible gun owner and the law-abiding citizen. And, you know, I found that state to be an enigma for a long time. They would vote people like Bernie Sanders and Patrick Leahy in term after term after term after term. They were very socially progressive and, you know, I would say had a left of center ideology at the core of the political arena there. And unfortunately, uh, that has finally started to get a foothold in state politics. But I didn't think that, you know, I found it interesting that guns were pretty much off the table because so many people who live in rural America own guns and don't support um, any restriction on the Second Amendment. Uh, So, yeah, there you you have that. Um, So, the best legal protection is with U.S. Law Shield. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. I am a member, and any member can call their lawyer anytime for compliance questions or legal questions. So you want to join, you'll get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield. And we will be right back. This is Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Leary.
Nobody thinks it will happen to them. But with over 2,000 emergency phone calls per month to our independent program attorney answered hotline, it's closer to home than you think. At U.S. Law Shield, we give you exclusive access to our 24-7, 365 emergency hotline. Not a call center, direct access to our network of independent program attorneys. With a price point of only $10.95 per month and unlimited attorney hours for criminal and civil defense, U.S. Law Shield provides you with unparalleled service and protection where it matters most. No other program comes close. We believe an educated member is an empowered member. We do this by providing educational resources featuring seasoned attorneys, firearms instructors, law enforcement, and experts in all areas. We at U.S. Law Shield believe peace of mind should come with simple and affordable protection. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, and join us every week as we go live. Go to capegunworks.com, click on Rapid Fire, and you can enjoy the show and be a part of the discussion where we will answer your questions. Some great questions rolling in on the stream today. And uh, so we've been talking about laws and whatnot, and, you know, especially in our neighborhood, the, our neighbors to the north in Vermont and Maine and New Hampshire. And it seems like you got to be ever vigilant against, uh, you know, electing people who have the predilection to ban your right. Because if they say they're going to do it, then they're at least going to support a bill if it comes down. Whether or not they sponsor one doesn't really matter. But um, the fact is that they will support it. And right now you think about the a lot of our laws and rights are in the balance and we have people like Kristen Cinema or uh, Joe Manchin in the Senate these moderate Democrats who really uh, that's where our hope lies right now uh, because we have a administration that is you know has a long history of gun control going all the way back to the 94 assault weapons ban and claims to have authored it and that was his big you know swing set if you will that he created and felt like it made America safer by having this assault weapons ban in place for 10 years which it didn't and that's why it went away because studies showed that hey you know what it didn't make us any safer and even when uh, Maura Healy's edict went down on 7-2016 and she released to the Boston Globe and stood in front of cameras and had the Boston PD on her side saying we need to do something and the bodies weren't even cold yet from the Pulse nightclub shooting as Keith Langer was pointing out when this all took place um, the Boston Police Department said yeah we really don't see these type of weapons on the streets of Boston but it's going to make us safer the fact that they're no longer there it's like, what kind of logic, you know, how do these people think before they speak? Because we don't take these guns off the streets of criminals in Boston. We don't take them off the criminals on the streets in Boston. But it's going to make us safer 
if we, you know, enforce this ban. Yeah, it's like, my God, you know, always a solution in search of a problem. Like, how about we spend our resources, our time, our effort, our energy on the real fix of punishing crime where it is, punishing criminals, putting them away for a long time, and making sure that they're not out on the streets in a year or two or six months or 30 days. Um, You know, we have all these laws on the books that we don't enforce. The police do a good job of arresting these violent criminals, but then they are out on the streets in no time and they just don't, you know, there's no teeth to the law. The answer is always further restrictions, further restrictions on the law abiding, further restrictions on responsible gun owners, further restrictions on the people where the problem does not lie. And they'll always conjure up like, oh, well, this guy got the gun from this person and went on a rampage. Okay, so a crime was committed, whether it be a straw purchase or selling to a prohibited person or a theft. So because that crime was committed, you want to take away my ability to possess the firearm that was used in the the aforementioned, you know, crime. Unbelievable. Um, So good to see everybody on the show here. Uh, Don't forget to check out Date Night every Friday and Ladies Night every Thursday or every other Thursday. You can try the range experience package if you don't have a gun license. You don't have to have a gun license to do that. We had a couple come in today who were visiting. They got to shoot three different guns and have a good time doing it. And they didn't possess a gun license, but they wanted to see if they liked it. And they did. So you can do that. All right, we will be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary. Don't go away. Made in America since 1949. Family owned and operated. Legendary performance. This is Hornady. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Snap safe. Featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel door, 2300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, and join us every week for the only radio talk show that talks about all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And be sure to join us for the Gunmakers Match. We're going to be hosting the first ever shooting contest for gunmakers being held at Cape Gunworks for the first time on November 20th for the Education Day and November 21st for the match. So you can be a part of one or both. 
And we would love to have you go to capegunworks.com, click on Gunmakers banner for registration. It's brought to you by Firearms Policy Coalition, Gun Owners Action League. And if you're not a member of Goal, you should go over to Gun Owners Action League and be a member because they're doing great work here in the People's Republic of Afghanistan and trying to fight for your freedom every day. So they have a great team over there. We had John Green on the show a couple weeks ago. If you missed that episode of Rapid Fire, you should go on and download that podcast. It would be excellent and a worthy uh, endeavor to listen to it. So uh, Fox News has an article, too, about this new study of how many people applied for handgun permits during the 2020 coronavirus uh, pandemic and has that it's increased 10% since the end of last year. So according to a study conducted by the Crime Prevention Research Center, the number of concealed handgun permits surged to 21.52 million in 2020, a 48% increase since 2016 and a 10.5% increase from the same time last year. So what does that tell you? It tells you that people, A, value their rights, and B, they are recognizing that they might have to become their own first responder. So when you re- when it dawns on you that, shoot, like when seconds count, police are minutes away, not to get cliche, but that is oftentimes the truth. Number two, no one's probably coming to save you. And number three, we want to defund police, let criminals out of jail early, and create this hysteria where we don't go after criminals we don't prosecute them we don't punish people who burn our cities and loot and steal and rob and maim and therefore it doesn't take much thought critical thought to realize hey guess what i am my own first responder so because i'm my own first responder Maybe I should get a gun. Maybe I should get a concealed carry license. Maybe I should get trained in the safe and efficient use of a firearm in a self-defense situation. And that's what people are doing in mass. And A, I think it's going to make the Second Amendment community a whole lot stronger. And B, I hope that the group of Second Amendment community that has existed for a long time is willing to embrace this new influx of um, people no matter what political spectrum they're on and you know I for one think that it's a, a uniting issue and I've even said it's a Trojan horse as far as um, once people realize that hey you know what the Second Amendment is something that I can rally around I might not agree with you politically or ideologically, but I do believe in the right to self-defense. And I do believe that people have a right to keep and bear arms. And that being common ground is a good thing. Now we can talk about other issues. We can, you know, find more common ground with each other. And I think that's, um, that's good for our country and for society as a whole. Um, and it's too often that one side writes off the other and casts a upon each other 
and doesn't want to hear each other because, you know, it turns into, it devolves into some, you know, shouting match or uh, insult match. And that happens on both sides. And it's unfortunate. I, I like spirited debate and talk and I can, I can sit there and be friends with people who don't agree with me. And I've had some people that are uh, extremely um, opposite of what I believe. And we can go out to dinner and have a good time together. And, you know, it's, it's not that difficult to find common ground in people. And, you know, that is what's going to heal our nation. That is what's going to bring us back together is as long as we're willing to accept that not everybody's the same, nor should we be. And, uh, you know, I think that the Second Amendment is one of those rights and issues that can be a rallying cry that can be a common ground and it can you know still whether or not the majority of people in america own guns which it's probably not it's a slight minority that do uh, but i think the majority of americans at least agree with the right fundamentally and maybe not you know every aspect of the second amendment but that's okay Let's get the conversation started. And I think it, it makes us a better people by doing that. So that study is interesting. Um, you know, people are going out, getting a gun. They're taking a class. They're learning the safe and efficient use. They're uh, becoming members at local gun clubs. They might even be participating in, uh, you know, events and matches and whatnot. And I know personally a couple people that have come in in the last couple of years that never dreamed of owning a gun, didn't believe in politics the way I see it, um, but they do believe in their right to keep and bear arms and they've exercised that right. And frankly, they're, they're very at home in our shop and, you know, they've, they love to come in and shop and shoot and, you know, chew the you know, sling the bull, <laughs> whatever. And they're just happy to be around and we're happy to have them. So uh, be an ambassador, be a, you know, a really good representation of responsible gun ownership in your community. And especially in Massachusetts, we need, need that now more than ever. We need people who are going to put on a good face of gun ownership in Massachusetts and in Vermont and in Maine where they have to you know constantly fight against the onslaught of gun control and even in New Hampshire freedom loving New Hampshire there's always someone who wants to further restrict rights and uh, it's just in the nature of most politicians to want to control um, and I say that most because most means most not one side or the other but most of them want to control just about every aspect of our lives. And, uh, you know, so by being a good example, being a good ambassador, introducing new people to the shooting sports or to, to guns in general in a safe and responsible way, and being a responsible gun owner and raising your kids right and teaching them the way of the Second Amendment is how we're going to win this battle and how we're going to maintain our rights for a long time. We can't always rely on politicians to do the right thing. We always can't rely on the court systems to do the right thing. We got to rely on 
advocacy through, uh, you know, being evangelical about it. And how do you do that? You take somebody to the range who's never shot a gun, who's like, I don't know if I like guns. Well, come shoot and see what you think. Wow, that was a lot of fun. And don't pull out the phone and hand them your 500 Smith & Wesson Magnum for their first shots and so you can get some likes on YouTube. That's not cool. That's not the, the ambassadorship I'm talking about. So, you know, bring someone to the range, show them how to shoot, let them shoot your 22s and have some fun doing it. And uh, it's going to just, it'll make us stronger. And uh, there's a lot of room up on the Second Amendment boat, if you will. So come aboard and join us and we'd love to have you. So that's the end of the show for this week. Thank you for tuning in. And remember that this show ends here, but you can always tune in at capegunworks.com forward slash rapid fire. Keep up the good fight. Support your local community and your local gun ad. Be a local gun advocate. And together as Americans, we can overcome anything, right? And we'd love to have you join us every week. So I'm Toby Leary. This is Rapid Fire. We'll see you next week. God bless. And take care. <laughs>